Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. What's going on, everyone? Taylor Cowles here from CLNS Media. We're just a few days out from the Patriots season finale against the New York Jets in what could potentially be Bill Belichick's last game as the head coach for the Patriots. Now, with that kind of topic surrounding this game, there's been a lot of news dropping. And today, the Boston Herald released a piece that detailed some of the dysfunction that's been going on within the Patriots organization going all the way back to this summer, actually going all the way back to the spring, long time. Who wrote this piece? We had Andrew Callahan, obviously part of the CLNS Media family, as well as Doug Kide. I have Doug with me here today. Buddy, how are you doing? And let the people know how exactly this came together as much as you can disclose, because this was a, this a bit of a banger. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, we've been kind of planning a piece all season, especially when things really went haywire to, to figure out what exactly went wrong here. Like what, how did things go from bad in 2022 to even worse in 2023 when everyone was really expecting the team to be much better this season. I certainly expected them to be a, a playoff contender. Uh, everyone thought the offense would be in much better shape with Bill O'Brien in charge and, you know, Mac Jones in another year with more capable coordinator, but that obviously didn't come to be. So we wrote a piece on Mac Jones back in October, and then this one was kind of taking a little bit more of a zoomed out look at the the offense and the team in general, looking at what went wrong. So I uh, talked to over a dozen people uh, around the organization, within the organization, to to try to kind of answer that question and figure out what all the ongoings were this season. Yeah, and you mentioned the staff because offensively, I think with personnel, there were plenty of debates thinking like, you know, offensive line, especially tackle, and then wide receiver. You know, it wasn't great, but you thought, hey, they've got Bill O'Brien, like you said, Adrian Clem. You thought they'd be able to, you know, make some chicken soup out of chicken, you know what, and kind of get this yeah. thing together. But there were a lot of parts of your guys' story that were really shocking. The first of those I found stunning was that Belichick actually wanted to bring back Matt Patricia despite all of his struggles and the fact that even Robert Kraft said that Patricia was not put in a position to succeed last season. So please go into detail on what exactly happened with the staff and why there were some kind of square pegs being put into round holes. Yeah, we. I think that if, if Belichick had had it his way, then yeah. Would have brought back Patricia for another year, ran it back, see how that went. Um, but, you know, I think it was pretty easy to or I mean, it was easy, easy to see that things went wrong last year. And I think that, you know, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia were very easy scapegoats for that. Mm -hmm. I know that there's still people within the organization who don't feel like they did that bad of a job, given the circumstances that they were under that basically like they're, they're viewed as like smart football coaches in general and that mm. you know they're not offensive coordinators so they weren't they didn't really know how to put together like a full offensive plan last year but they could put plays together that allowed the team to score points like mm. just like basic right down to it and they actually did that a better job i mean quite frankly they they scored more points season um and i'm mm. certainly not I am 1000% not saying that Matt Patricia uh, should have been back as offensive coordinator or that Joe Judge should have been involved in the offense. But I, it, when it comes down to it, they did a better job with the offense last year, bare bones, than what Bill O'Brien did this year. But you can certainly understand from the team perspective, you want to bring in a more experienced coordinator, then Bill O'Brien comes in. Uh, but it seems like even he 
was hamstrung by the fact that Bill still wanted to keep his assistants on staff. Uh, Bill O'Brien brought in Will Lawing as the tight ends coach. That was the one guy that he brought in with him uh, from his time in Houston, from his time in Alabama. But otherwise, outside of Adrian Clem, it was the guys who were around last year, and that's a, a former NFL safety in Vinny Sinceri coaching the running backs. That's a former college defensive back and linebacker, Ross Douglas coaching wide receivers, Troy Brown, who obviously had a great career with the Patriots, but didn't do any coaching until he came back uh, to coach the wide receivers. And those were the real problem areas were on the offensive line and with the wide receivers. So I know that, you know, there was frustration around O'Brien and around the front office just about how well the wide receivers and offensive line specifically were being developed by the coaches in place. And then you've seen, obviously, Adrian Clem leave the team over health-related reasons. Ross Douglas has left the team for Syracuse. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's – I don't think that necessarily Bill O'Brien was put in the best position to succeed since he wasn't able to assemble maybe the staff that he wanted. Um, but, yeah, kind of a messy situation there from the start. Yeah, and you mentioned – Adrian Clem actually confronted Matt Groh about thinking he didn't have enough talent. I think that was pretty obvious. Like you go yeah. into the season where Antonio Mafi and City of So, those are guys who were intriguing. You know, you figure mm -hmm. those are developmental guys. City of So, they tried to put him at tackle. That obviously didn't work. Mm -hmm. Then he debuted at guard. And, it, you know, it still wasn't great. It's a rookie in his first game against the Eagles defensive front. Yeah. That's a pretty tough position to be in. But even still, could you go a little more into detail about – what some of Adrian Clem's issues were and why it was such a weird fit with Bill O'Brien and, you know, schematically, as well as what happened when Adrian Clem had to leave. And then you had the issues in terms of uh, offensive linemen being taught differently, which, you know, Trent Brown went into detail about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Adrian Clem brought in, he, I think that the expectation was that like, all right, Adrian Clem learned under Dante Scarnecchia. He'll coach the same way that, Patriots offensive line coaches have coached forever. Uh, and that wasn't necessarily the case, that he brought in some more new school methods, uh, wasn't really what the Patriots were expecting, wasn't the best carryover for the offensive linemen who are still in place. Um, and I had heard that Adrian Clem had some issues with the athleticism of the offensive linemen uh, that had been brought in. And, you know, you could you could think a couple ways about that. Obviously, maybe with Riley Reef, that would have been the case, an older, mm -hmm. older offensive lineman that they signed to presumably play right tackle. Certainly not as athletic as he was when he was drafted by the Lions back in whatever it was, 2011 or 2012. But one person did raise the point that, you know, if you're going to criticize Tyrone Wheatley Jr. or Vidarian Lowe or Calvin Anderson, it's not necessarily their athleticism that you would take issue with. It's them as technicians, and that's mm -hmm. really more the coaching than it is uh, them as pure players. So I think that is some of that infighting between the coaching staff and front office. And ultimately, it doesn't go anywhere because Bill O'Brien and Bill, Bill Belichick is in charge of both. So, like, mm -hmm. the front office and the coaching staff have issues, they're going to the same person. Uh, so I don't think that those things outside of, you know, it's, uh, some conversations or blowups between uh, Clem and Matt Groh necessarily went anywhere too sour. But that was one thing that I definitely heard is that uh, Adrian Clem was not happy with athleticism on the offensive line. And I mean, it, just as far as like, yeah, you have to count on rookies, uh, unfortunately, almost right away. And, you know, Michael Wenu's injury didn't help. Cole Strange's injury didn't help. But that relates to why Michael Wayne at least started as a guard is that Patriots really didn't want to plan to go into the season 
starting both rookies, City Sow mm -hmm. and Antonio Maffi at guard. They wanted a veteran presence in there. I think that's one reason why it did take so long to move Oweno over to right tackle. And you mentioned the athleticism. It was pretty glaring because, you know, the Patriots, they like to have a diverse run scheme. I think that was one of the things that Adrian Clem mentioned is that, you know, you want to uh, be able to do different things, not be super predictable in your scheme. But we've seen they tried all, uh, like the outside zone stuff, especially early on in the season, like against the Cowboys. It was a disaster. Right. They just didn't have the horses to do it. Like David Andrews doing his best out there, but he's an older guy who can only get so far when it comes to explosiveness against these modern defensive lines. And you really saw it like in recent games, really from midseason to the end, it's really just been man or duo and inside zone. They're just trying to get downhill and it works, but it also limits what you can do from a play calling perspective. So mm -hmm. with all of that in mind, and again, Bill O'Brien, it feels like he's probably going to be back. Now, nothing is set in stone. There's so many moving pieces where we really don't know what's going to happen. But if Bill O'Brien is brought back, do you think it's going to be a situation or should be a situation where they kind of clean house with the non-Bill O'Brien guys like Troy Brown? I don't think he's shown enough in terms of uh, developing the receiver spot. Like you have a Taekwon Thornton and Demario Douglas has been one of the best receivers and uh, rookie receivers in Belichick's time with the team. Mm -hmm. But the route running from a weekly basis is really inconsistent it's just you don't understand what exactly is going on there so do you think that it'd be better if bill o'brien could bring in his guys and adrian clem already dealing with health issues but really is it already time to move on after just one year i think it, it certainly could be yeah i, I think uh, especially with clem I, i'd be a little bit surprised at this point i'd be surprised if he was back um just because there were some people right away who thought like all right this is this is not a great fit um mm -hmm. you know from from what we were, the expectation was when he was brought in um, and yeah, for Bill O'Brien, like if he is brought back, I think it ultimately depends on if Bill Belichick is back too, but mm -hmm. I do think that it would benefit Bill O'Brien to bring in the guys that he would want to coach with the, the guys that he would handpick. And I don't think that, you know, the guys who are on staff are guys that he would have handpicked. I've heard good things about Vinny Sinceri as a running backs coach for good things about Will Lying as a tight ends coach. I've also heard that quite honestly, like, it's kind of hard to mess up those positions too much. Um, that might be a little bit less true with tight ends than it is mm -hmm. with running backs, but like you're just dealing with so few players at those positions where you're dealing with like three or four running backs, three or four tight ends versus offensive line, including practice squad. You're dealing with like 12 guys. They all have to work as a unit. Five guys are on the field at the same time. That's just such an important position to be coaching on. Um, and then wide receivers, I think it is a pretty important one as well to have someone who who knows what they're doing, who who is experienced. Um, I think that you even look back at some of the other offensive coordinator uh, candidates who were brought in with Adrian Clem and Bill O'Brien. There are a couple of wide receivers coaches in there. So yep. I, I don't know this for a fact, but given the way that they interviewed Adrian Clem for the offensive coordinator position and then gave him the offensive line job, I certainly would not be surprised if guys like Sean Jefferson and Keenan McCardell were potentially brought in for similar reasons. They obviously wound up sticking with the teams that they were in, but I think that that kind of showed you back in the beginning of this whole offensive coordinator process that there wasn't that much confidence in that wide receiver coaching in general. And with Adrian Clem, it really is just an exclamation point on what's been a couple of really odd years with the Patriots in terms of how they build out their coaching staff. The fact that yeah. you hire a guy and then he implements his system and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, there's got to be some level of, well, 
what were you guys talking about? Like, we all know that he was brought in to interview for head coach, right. but they already have their plan kind of set in stone. So a really odd situation there. Do you have any insight into what exactly – I know, like, you're not behind those closed doors, right. of course. But do you have any insight into what happened there and why there was such a significant disconnect? Um, Not fully. Uh, you know, there's, there's some things that are floating around out there and it, things that, like, we weren't necessarily able to – confirm one way or or another but it, it does seem like belichick was was on board with bringing in adrian clem that you know he was viewed as the best option that was out there he was a guy who had played under bill belichick um but i also we we had also heard that you know since clem left bill bill belichick has kind of taken over that offensive line group um and that maybe he's not necessarily the guy who's like running meetings or running drills. I think that would go more on Billy Yates. And then I think James Ferentz is helping out quite a bit there, but that he's the one who's kind of putting that plan together and formulating that plan a lot. And that they've gone back to the old ways, the old Dante mm -hmm. Skarnecki ways. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll allow you to speak to whether the offensive line play has been better or worse, um, you know, since Adrian Clem was gone, but like Cole Strange for one, I thought was playing better. And I'm Absolutely. not sure exactly how that lines up uh, with with when Clem left and everything like that, but I think that was maybe a slight surprise to players to see, like, oh, okay, well, all of a sudden our head coach is deciding what we do on the offensive line. Yeah, and it's it's a really hard evaluation period because injuries yeah. have been a factor for the entire season, as you mentioned, Mike and Winnie and Cole Strange, like. It was a storyline during the like training camp and OTAs where we're saying, yeah, this is going to be tough. Like there was constant pressure, but you figure, okay, once they're healthy, they get back into the lineup. You have a you know bit of a weak spot at right tackle, but maybe you move some things around, see what happens. And as we've seen with City So, it hasn't been perfect, but he's had some good games. Last week I thought was one of his best games of his young career. Then, like you said, Cole Strange I actually did speak to him a few times because, I mean, I feel like he gets such a bad rap as a yeah. guy who was maybe admittedly overdrafted when you can kind of how long it's taken him to kind of get up to speed but he mentioned so many times like hey you, we all know that Cole Strange is not a guy who makes excuses but he was saying like he put on more weight in the offseason so we mm -hmm. can handle power better and he was saying I mean you can't simulate getting bull rush you know you can hit right. the bags you can do all that but you need a 350 pound guy who's trying to drive you backwards to really understand how that works and he would always mention chemistry and because I would ask him you know you got beat on this stunt and these twists and it seems like it's the same thing what's going on there and he said you just need to know who you're playing next to so that you understand okay this guy's going to do this I can do this and it's not thinking it's really just playing and with again the athleticism the explosiveness of these defensive lines those split milliseconds matter so I did think Strange was getting better because he was feeling healthier I think they started to get a little bit more consistency going obviously Trent Brown gets rolled up on him I don't think it's a coincidence that their best came as an offense came when the entire offensive line the way that you were hoping it would turn out once you know you got a better idea of what the pieces were going to look like that was the best game they had they looked fantastic then Trent gets hurt and then you start to see there's a decline and he just doesn't look the same uh but a tough evaluation process for the offensive line but like you said if you know uh Adrian Clem's philosophies weren't really matching up and then you have Bill O'Brien leading the offense but he doesn't have the guys around him who he trusts and can create a cohesive unit that's just a tough position to put really multiple members of that staff in. Uh, we got some more for you, but first, quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action of NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so as we all know, one of the biggest issues, not only with the team, but with the offense specifically, has been the quarterback situation. Now, Mac Jones, I actually thought the first you know, two games of the season, I thought he was one of the only reasons the offense was actually in those games. You know, against the Dolphins, he had the interception to Devontae Parker. It wasn't a perfect game, but he showed off some athleticism. He was making plays off schedule, and it's like, I've never seen this version of Mac Jones. Maybe we got something. Then you go into the Jets game, bad weather, down game. You're saying, all right, that's one out of three. Brush it off a little bit. Then Dallas starts the decline where all the fear that I think had just been built up from getting battered and bruised, not even just in 2022 and 2023, but also in 2021. The kid was taking some really big hits throughout his uh, young career, and you started to see all that creep up. He starts panicking. His decision-making goes out the window. The only game that the Patriots have had this entire season without a turnover was against the Jets, and Max still had a turnover-worthy play that the Jets didn't capitalize on. Obviously, he lost faith after that just horrendous throw against the Colts where they could have won the game, and he missed a wide-open Mike Kosicki. And then you saw the transition of Bailey Zappi took over in the second half of the Giants game, and it's been Bailey Zappi show ever since. And he has brought some more explosiveness to the offense. Mm-hmm. They scored at least two touchdowns in each of their past four games. They've been competent, which you really couldn't say for a while there. But even with that change, all has not been well in the quarterback room. So can you expand on what you learned, what's going on with that situation, and maybe how you think they need to move forward with Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones? Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of what we saw during the summer where I'm not sure how much you were paying attention to this, but like you really didn't see Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi speak like they they weren't really warming up next to each other. They didn't appear to be helping each other out a lot in practice. Mm -hmm. And that's what I heard from multiple people as well, that it's they don't communicate well in that you could use, so to say, like an adult in the room to Mm -hmm. push everyone in the right direction, because I think that. You know, Mac Jones had his struggles last year. Bailey Zappi comes in and plays better and wins two games. Then Mac Jones' struggles continue. The thing that messed with him a little bit is is mm-hmm. Bailey Zappi's success. And I think he, he probably got in his head a little bit. And then if you're in that quarterback room and Bailey Zappi's thinking, hey, I was better than this guy last year. Like, why am I not starting? Why am I not even getting an opportunity? Why is this not an actual competition? Like, why should I help this guy out? And uh, like why why should we help each other out if we're competing with each other i think that that's ultimately what happened and that's what i heard like i said from multiple people that they could have used that like grizzled veteran quarterback who was just going to speak positively to both of them because a lot of the quarterback play like a lot of the quarterback coaching as well that comes from bill belichick is 
I think trends negatively. And that worked mm-hmm. for Tom Brady to constantly have that chip on his shoulder and get better and get better and get better. But when you're like legitimately struggling in games and then the coaching from Bill Belichick is this is what you did wrong in practice. This is what you did wrong in practice. This is what you did wrong in practice. I think it does wear on you a little bit. So that's mm-hmm. another place where you could probably use that veteran presence to say like, listen, I know that he's saying all this stuff, but you're fine. You're doing a good job. Like keep up doing these things or whatever. I, I really do think that that's what they would have benefited from in general, because I mean, you've been around Mac and Bailey Zappi, like they've got mm-hmm. different personalities. They're different guys. Yeah. They're right around the same age. And it would have worked if Mac had been good last year and it had never given up or if that starting job had never been challenged. But once he went down and once Bailey Zappi started playing better, then I think it really did raise some of these issues. And uh, I certainly don't think the way that the summer was handled was, was perfect either. But And then basically from there, Mac Jones was outperforming Bailey Zappi in practice all the way up until like, I think like it, it's possible that he's still outperforming him in practice. Like that's mm-hmm. why Bailey Zappi just never got over that hump. Even after the Cowboys game, even after the saints game to start over Mac Jones is that Patriots were saying, all right, Mac Jones was supposed to be this super intelligent quarterback who could make changes at the line of scrimmage. And he he's not going to make mistakes and maybe he doesn't have the strongest arm. Maybe he's the most, not the most athletic guy, but we can trust him. And then this year and last year as well, like he's just making all these boneheaded mistakes. And it's like, all right, well, what do we even have in this guy? Like, what what's this guy's strengths necessarily at this point? But when you have Billy Zappi taking over in games and struggling, and then when you've seen him struggle in training camp preseason, and then into the season, when he's either throwing interceptions or he's on the scout team throwing checkdowns to running backs, and you're like, this isn't even helpful. Like <laughs> this guy's not helping us right now. <laughs> I, I think that that is why he was never able to get over that hump until this point. And I don't know. I mean, it was fun to watch Bailey Zappi over the last five games or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this last game, when you're turning over the ball four times in five offensive series, like I know the fumble wasn't his mistake. And I know the PFF didn't have him charted for any turnover worthy plays, but like at a certain point when you're throwing three interceptions in the first half, like <laughs> there are things that you can do differently. <laughs> like right, right. like you can throw a pass. that's not going to get tipped up by Razul Douglas and picked off by a mm-hmm. defensive tackle. There's, you know, the, the miscommunication, yeah, Jalen Rager should have turned around and like I don't think that was the route that Bailey Zappi was expecting, but like I don't even know where that throw was going to right at that yeah. point. Um, and then the last interception I thought was probably the most justifiable to blame Bailey Zappi for, mm-hmm. but um yeah, I mean, or the third interception, but I yeah, it's it's just been a mess. The the quarterbacks aren't helping each other out enough. Um, and I think that's, that's ultimately what it all comes down to is that like, there's a lot of negativity, everyone's in their own head. Um, and, and no one's really helping each other out enough. And when I was reading this, I just kept thinking, man, be really nice. They had Brian Hoyer right now, because you mentioned how it wears on you, the constant criticism, even Tom Brady got sick of the BS. Part of the reason he left was like, I'm just sick of being insulted constantly. I got this organization six Super Bowls and I can't catch a break. Like, dude, I like obviously that wasn't the only thing. Failed to surround him with talent. There were like different factors, but 
Like for a young quarterback, of course, that starts to wear on you when you don't have a guy like Brian Hoyer who can maybe help lift you up. And then wasn't he known in practice for being the guy who would just sling it? Like he would go deep. (laughs) He would make all these aggressive chances. And like maybe somebody to remind Zappi, like, hey, man, you're trying to give them a look. It doesn't help anybody if you're checking down to somebody who's wide open. They need the rep so they can learn. And obviously the situation last year probably soured Brian Hoyer's opinion of being with the team. Then he went off with Josh McDaniels and joined the Raiders. So, I mean, so many chances it feels like where they could have salvaged something here and it just was handled so poorly. Do you think – I also think – just just jumping in real quick, like like the Trace McSorley thing, maybe he could have – like he wasn't necessarily competing for the job, but he was just so bad during the summer that like you couldn't really continue on with Trace McSorley. And then like the Matt Corral thing happened and he had his own issues. And then like Will Greer, I think was maybe trying to do that third quarterback, Brian Hart thing, but like, he's Mm -hmm. still a young guy. He doesn't even know the offense. So like how much can he help (laughs) out there? And like, it just, the turnover there, I think hasn't helped either. Absolutely. And then we, that's without even touching Malik Cunningham and the fact that, Everybody was pining for him to get an opportunity. Who knows how much that would have galvanized the team. Obviously, we saw a little bit of a boost with Bailey Zappi, but imagine with somebody who unanimously had the support of the team what that could have meant. So moving forward, I do think that Bailey Zappi has shown enough where maybe he is a quality spot starter backup going forward where you can go in and say, okay, you know, if we need somebody to go in, if we draft a quarterback and they're not ready, what have you, assuming you have a better offensive line and a good supporting cast, then maybe Bailey Zappi looks better because we've seen him play some pretty solid ball, missing his top receiver, top tight end, top running back, top left tackle. Like he has not been playing with the most talented guys. Do you think that maybe they keep Zappi, they get the young quarterback, and then you kind of have to move on from Mac Jones because it just sounds like a toxic situation? Yeah, I think you've got to move on from one of them. Um, And I think it might depend on who comes in, either as head coach or if they replace the offensive coordinator. Like if Bill O'Brien's back next year, I I really just don't think there's it's worth it to run back the Mac Jones experiment. Like, yeah, how do you how do you then have him retake the backup job over Bailey Zappi? Like, I I just don't think that that necessarily works. So, in an ideal world, you get a rookie quarterback in here, whether that's you know one of the top two, uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May, someone like Jaden Daniels, or you know the the Michael Penix, JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, one of those guys. You bring that guy in, and then you also probably would want if it's not. Caleb Williams, Drake May, or a, a top five pick, you probably want to bring in a veteran presence to to kind of be that bridge. And I'm not sure if that mm. can be Bailey Zappi. Like, I agree with you that Zappi could be a backup or spot, spot spot starter. I don't know if he can necessarily be a bridge to a rookie quarterback, though. Like, I, mm. I I don't I don't think that that's necessarily like the the best use of Bailey Zappi's talents. I think that it would be worth bringing in like a Jacoby Brissett or someone else like that mm-hmm. to do that instead. Even who knows, like a Jimmy Garoppolo or something like that uh, to, to be a bridge over a guy like Bailey Zappi. But no, if you find a starting quarterback, like a day one starting quarterback, like I said, one of those rookies are like, if you, you know, I don't think it's the best way to do it, but if you got like Russell Wilson or Kirk cousins or something like that, then yeah, Bailey Zappi would be a fine backup. And, but I mean, at the same time, like he learned this year that, Nothing's guaranteed in the NFL. Like he Mm. got straight up cut out of training camp and preseason. So he should know that if he's back with the team in 2024, like that roster spot is not guaranteed. Um, The only way I could see Mac Jones sticking around is if like they just completely overhauled things 
went to like a Shanahan style West coast offense, something like that. And like whoever they brought in to run the offense, just like was still in love with Mac Jones from his Alabama days. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that would work, but like, let's say it is like Bobby Slowick or something like that. Like maybe he just really wants to work with Mac Jones, really loves Mac Jones and like tries to make it work that way. But it it would just be such a tough sell for Patriots fans to be like, all right, we're running it back with Mac Jones for a, for a fourth straight year, you know? Yeah, it stays like this. You really miss the Wolf Pack, you know? Like, we, yeah, Brady, Brissett. Yeah. Like, obviously the talent would be nice, but also right. just like those guys seemed like they really got along and that was a yeah. really healthy situation. And now, you know, the video where they were coming out of the tunnel last week, you have Nathan Rourke and Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones trailing 30 yards behind where it's like, this is a really bizarre look because what yeah. teams do you see the quarterbacks trot out like paces behind each other? It's just bizarre. Yeah. And like, I mean, there are still some, some questions about Mac Jones maturity, which I, I certainly mm-hmm. don't think helps when he's in the position that he is. Um, you know, I think that Nathan Rourke is kind of rolling with the punches right now as the third quarterback, <laughs> like gets brought in from a fire hose right now, just trying to figure out where to go. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Brought in three weeks before the season has no idea what his future holds in new England or anything like that. But um, I think that he's kind of trying to go about this the right way too, just cause like mm-hmm. it, for one reason or another, like I, I've just kind of talked to him a lot in the locker room because he's a new guy and I'm like, Hey, what's going on or whatever. Mm-hmm. He seems to be handling this all the right way, but yeah, it's definitely a bizarre situation. Like you said, to see Bailey Zappi and Nathan Rourke run out, Mac Jones paces behind them. And I mean, for him, it's been like for both of those guys, it's been a tough season. Bailey Zappi was cut out of, out of training camp and Mac Jones lost his starting job. So like neither one of those guys has had a very fun six months here. Absolutely. Now we got to get to Bill Belichick because we kind of talked around him, but there was a lot of good stuff about him. Before we do a quick word from our pals over at SeatGeek, be right back. You know, I've been looking for the best deal on Celtics tickets And with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons in full swing, you don't want to miss out. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good and red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So as you know, I always come through for you guys. You can use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. All right, so the Patriots' defense has actually been a legitimate bright spot. If they had a remotely competent offense, I think this is a team that could actually make some noise in the playoffs just because they have looked like a championship-caliber defense. But obviously, the offense has just been so putrid. We can talk about special teams as well, but mostly the offense has just been so bad. It's really been impossible at times for them to gain any kind of momentum. What did you hear about Belichick where he stands in terms of Belichick, the head coach, and also Belichick, the general manager. And we talked about the staff building and everything like that, but also personnel-wise. Yeah, I mean, really, I heard good things about Bill Belichick, the head coach, that he Mm -hmm. is in there with the team saying, like, 
these are the things we need to do. These are the things that they're going to do to us. This is what we can't do. And like everything is exactly how he's saying it when games come around on Sunday, but they don't have the talent to do anything about it on offense. And that is like Bill Belichick's doing and undoing. Like he knows what they need to do. He just hasn't acquired the talent to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, it's, it's a catch 22 where like, yeah, you would absolutely love to keep around Bill Belichick, the head coach, Bill Belichick, the defensive mind, but it probably can't come with Bill Belichick, the personnel maker, Bill Belichick, the, the offensive staff, um, you know, putting together the offensive staff or whatever. So it, it is tough. Like if Bill Belichick was willing to concede personnel duties and allow Bill O'Brien to form his perfect offensive staff, then like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want to keep Bill Belichick around? But I just, I don't know how much longer this team can survive if Bill Belichick is the one making all the personnel decisions, especially on offense, because it just has not gone well. I will say that like from everyone that I talked to, there's been a lot of questions about why the Patriots like didn't sign or acquire better offensive line talent. They just didn't like it this off season. Like yeah. they did not like the options in free agency. They didn't love the options in the draft. And they've pointed out to me that like, Hey, if you look at those guys who are available in free agency in the draft, like look at their pressure numbers, they're not doing well. Like, like that we just like, we didn't necessarily make bad decisions when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that what I was told was that like, yeah, like if you're just, you know, playing, they didn't mention it this way, but like, if you're just like playing mad and you're trying to find an offensive tackle, then like, yeah, you just like sign one and plug him in and and play him or whatever. But like the way that they phrased it to me is that like, we're building a team. Like this is going to be a long-term commitment. And if we don't like this player, then we don't want to sign this player. Like we don't want to just like force something to bring him in. So obviously the Patriots definitely could have acquired better offensive talent this off season, but they didn't love the options. I will say, though, on the other hand, that there were people wondering back in March and April, like, why don't we have a traditional slot receiver? Why don't mm-hmm. we have that third down back that Bill O'Brien, you know, did so well with from 2009 to 2011? Like mm-hmm. when he had Wes Welker and he had, you know, Kevin Falk and like Danny Woodhead and all these guys that, that were around in that time period. And people were kind of scratching their head being like, what exactly are we doing on offense? And then they did eventually find that guy in Demario Douglas, Mm -hmm. but he's had to play a lot of Z since Kendrick Bourne went down. And he also, they mentioned this, that like they probably hurt themselves by benching him the way that they did when he fumbled in that game, because Mm -hmm. the offense probably could have built itself up a little bit better if they had continued that continuity with Demario Douglas in the offense, but they bench him for fumbling misses a game or whatever it is, is out of the offense. And then he gets the concussions and misses time. Like, I think the offense would be in better shape if Demario Douglas had played a full season, whether that was based on not being benched or not having the injuries uh, with him in that slot the entire year. I fully agree with the wide receiver and Demario Douglas. And the offensive line, I will say, I was in the same boat this offseason. I'm looking at the free agents and I'm like, 
Bill's not going to overpay just because there's a need. And there's no one here who's good enough to get the kind of money from the Patriots that they're going to get elsewhere. And even in the draft, like I did, they need offensive tackle desperately. And were there people available? Yes. I'm not mad that they got Christian Gonzalez. Right. Where, and, and then beyond him, I think, you know, Dewan Jones, I understand that it's frustrating. They didn't get him, but you have to remember a lot of people passed on Dewan Jones. There were clearly yeah. something about him. I think it was just that they, uh, this is just from what I've heard that they weren't sure how committed he was to football or something right. like that. And I mean, with the Patriots, we understand that's significant for them because buying with that team is huge because it's as close thing to the military as you're going to get in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, in the draft and then other uh, guys you can get later in the draft, they were really guards and they were also mm-hmm. not developed. So it would have been a reach. What I think was the biggest mistake is the fact that they haven't invested significant capital in offensive tackle in years. You can yeah. see Yadni Kajus, but even still, like that was kind of, you know, you're hoping you develop him, but it wasn't a guy where you really, they took him and you're like, oh, he's really going to do something for us. The last time they got someone like that was Isaiah Wynn. And he, throughout his entire career, he proved to be someone who was pretty good when he was playing it at the top of his game. Obviously, Scar loved him, and that's, mm-hmm. I think, pretty significant. You can criticize him all you want, but if Scar has faith in him and thinks he's a tackle, I'm taking his word for it. But they didn't do anything else. You get Trent Brown, that's been a toxic relationship yeah. where, you know, he kind of does whatever he wants just because he's got them handcuffed, and it got to the point where they were like, all right, you're just going to stand in the middle of the field and look around while stuff's going on. Yeah, I'm sorry. We can't play anymore. And it just became an even worse situation. So, yeah, like last offseason, I didn't really fault them for not taking an offensive tackle or overspending for one. But the fact that they didn't address it for years with a, a pocket quarterback in Mac Jones, who you knew needed help, who needed time, who needed to be protected. So his cerebral play style and all that accuracy could really flourish. And you didn't address it. I'm curious how you feel about, you know, what, how they could have handled it any better, because just declining to do anything about it for so long was a bizarre move. I even look at, so Bill Barnwell put out his all pro team uh, this week. I think it was on like Monday or something like that. And you've got Joe Tooney on there and you've got Shaq Mason on there. And like, how much better would this offensive line be right now? If you had Trent Brown at left tackle, Joe Tooney at left guard, David Andrews at center, Shaq Mason at right guard and Michael Wenu at right tackle. And I know that like, it's tough to make all of those pieces fit perfectly together and like, figure out the contract situation. But like you look at the Eagles, the Eagles carry over the same offensive line year after year after year. And they have one of the best Mm -hmm. offensive lines year after year after year. So like that's a position that you just have to invest in. They were willing to franchise tag Joe Tooney for one year and then didn't sign him to the long-term extension. I think they were kind of playing games with that. Shaq Mason, they trade because obviously they had Michael Wenu in place. They wanted to draft Cole Strange, but just like at a certain point, you've just got to invest in these guys figure out the best five and keep rolling with it for as long as possible. And they just didn't do that. So I I think that still doesn't necessarily answer like developing an offensive tackle, but like they do have one in Michael Wenu. When Trent Brown is invested, he's still a very good player. And I think that the overall play of the offense and the offensive line in general is how things got to this point with Trent Brown, plus the injuries. Because once, once he got injured, and once he knew he wasn't going to get that those full incentives that he had signed for in September, like it was just it's become a miserable situation there. Um, and and we've seen that unfold with you know like you said the way that he was playing, um, all you know him missing practice now, him being the healthy scratch, it's just a, an untenable situation now. But I do think that there was a way to avoid that coming to a front this way. 
I agree. And that's where, you know, it goes right back to Bill the GM. And just you can the hope that he's going to change philosophically enough that you bring him back in the capacity he probably wants where he's still general manager. Like we've seen how stubborn just with the coaching staff and the fact that he wouldn't even let his offensive coordinator be surrounded by people he trusted. It's just hard to assume that, yeah, he's going to flip the switch and say, okay, we need to invest in the offensive line. You just, you really don't know. And we're not going to know until after this week. Uh, But Doug, Thank you so much, man. This has been incredibly illuminating. The piece was as well. Everybody check it out. Boston Herald, really, really great stuff. Right now, Doug, I want to give you the floor to talk about Hallie. You know, if you haven't met Doug, he's fantastic. Not only does he do amazing work, but he is honestly one of the kindest people that I have met in this business. He's made my first year easier with just being a great resource and just a friendly face all the time. His youngest daughter, Hallie, is dealing with acute myeloid leukemia, unfortunately. I just want you to tell people where they can help you guys out. Uh, any you know information that you could pass on, I'm going to put a QR code up here as well uh, so people can just grab a picture and help out uh, with your GoFundMe. But yeah, floor is yours, brother. And any work or anything, please fire away. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, Taylor. And yeah, uh, Hallie is continuing her fight with AML. She had a she had a bone marrow transplant, but she did relapse, uh, which was definitely bad news. Um, and and she's still kind of fighting it. We're still trying to figure out what the what the best plan moving forward for her is. Uh, she's going to continue to be in and out of the hospital. Um, my wife unfortunately had to resign from her job so that she could you know continue to help caring for Hallie. Um, you know while I'm working and everything like that. So, you know, I really appreciate it. And, and honestly, like even beyond anything else, just send all the the positive thoughts and prayers and everything that you can Hallie's way, because she's, uh, she's fighting an uphill battle, but if, if anyone can handle this and if anyone can fight this, it's Hallie. Absolutely. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you in this chat and just in general, much love, man. Thank you all for tuning in as always. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. 